to 2 Timothy 4, verse 9. And I'm reading from the literal translation. If you have the King James, I'll, I'll try to translate. Amen. 2 Timothy 4 and 9. And we're going to go to verse 18. So nine verses, but they're short. Amen. And this is... um. Paul writing to, to Timothy, yeah, Timothy. Paul's writing a letter to Timothy. And Timothy, is the, he's the pastor at Ephesus. So he says, the, he says them, verse 9, it says, come, it says, make haste to come to me shortly. For Demas has forsaken me, loving the present age. He went to Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Taking Mark, bring him with you, for he is useful for me for ministry. But I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak which I left in Troas with Carpus, with, yeah, with Carpus, and the books, especially the parchments. And that's just like Old Testament books. Alexander the coppersmith showed me, showed me many evil things. He showed many evil things to me. The Lord will give him back according to his works. You also be on guard against him, for he has greatly withstood our words. In my first offense, no one was beside me, but all deserted me. May it not be reckoned unto them. Verse 17, but the Lord stood with me and gave me power that through me preaching might be fulfilled and all the nations might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Verse 18, and the Lord will deliver me from every wicked work and will save me for his heavenly kingdom, to whom belong the glory to ages of ages. Amen. And just another quick verse. Let's go to Matthew 9. Matthew 9. That's Corinthians. I'm bugging. Matthew 9 and verse 20. And behold, so just 20 and 21, it says, And behold, a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came near behind him and touched the fringe or the hem of his robe. For she said within herself, If I only touch his, the hem of his garment, I will be healed or I will be cured. So I want to speak from this subject. A conduit can only go so far. A conduit can only go so far. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord Jesus, we open our hearts. We open our minds to you right now, Lord. God, I pray that you would speak to these people, Lord, that you would give us understanding, that you would give us wisdom, Lord God. Breathe on this word, Lord God. Have your way within us. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a seat. Amen. A conduit can only go so far. So I guess the question you're asking yourself is, what is a conduit? Now, a conduit is something like a pipe. It's something that water flows through, right? And it can also be something that is attached to something that has power in it. Amen? So when it comes to the kingdom of God, God gives us conduits. God gives us person, persons persons places, and things. 
The persons or the people God gives us is the church. The Bible says that he gave gifts to men. And that verse, it then points to men. So the gifts that God gave was men. He gave some to be apostles, pastors, preachers, teachers for the equipment of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And these people are supposed to be connected to God. And the power of God is supposed to flow through them. So a conduit of a place that God gives is a church building or any place where two or three are gathered in his name. So this is a place, and we saw today that this is a place where the power of God just flows through. And at the same time, if, if it's me and another sister and another brother, the power of God can be available at my house and just flow in such a mighty way. Now, the things that God gives us as a conduit, it can be anything that symbolizes God. It could be worship music. It could, you know, I know some people, they carry crosses. And there's, so, there's a list of things that remind people of Jesus and of his goodness. And those things become a conduit for that person. Amen? So these are wonderful things. And these are things of great value. But the problem with a conduit is that a conduit can only go so far. A conduit is limited. Amen? So, for instance, in the verse we just read, Matthew 9 and 20, the woman with the issue of blood. So this woman had an issue of blood for 12 years. So she was literally bleeding for 12 years. And, she, and the scriptures say she tried everything. She spent all she had. And if you look, if you read into any of Josephus' stuff, it'll say that she was a rich woman. So she spent all she had, and then she got to this place where she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I can be whole. So this woman said, if I can just touch the conduit, the fringe, the thing that's connected to Jesus Christ, I know that my body is going to be completely healed, right? So what happened? She got healed, right? That's the, we all know that she got healed. But let's jump to Matthew 14 real quick. Matthew 14 and and we'll start at verse 34. It says, and having passed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and recognizing him, the men of that place sent to all the neighborhood and brought to him all those badly ill. And they begged him that they might touch the hem of this garment. So what happened was, is once this woman got healed, she went out and preached the conduit. Listen, if you guys just touch the hem of his garment, if you guys just touch the thing that's connected to him, you will be made whole. So these men, they had faith and they believed. And the scripture says that they were, they were cured. Now, the issue we run into is where's the hem of Jesus' garment right now? It's probably somewhere disintegrated like in the Middle East. So Jesus' hem, the hem of the, the fringes that Jesus had, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work, it doesn't work for you because a conduit can only go so far. Amen? So the problem that we're facing today in the church is that 
this conduits that God's given us, we go out and we preach these things. But because a conduit is so limited or because your pastor can't get to you all the time or you can't always get to the church building, people fail and they can't live for God. But what God is calling us to do on an individual level is that each and every one of us walk with him. God is looking for us to stop relying on the conduit, be thankful for the person, place, or thing that's in your life. But even though I don't have a conduit with me, even though I can't make it to the church building, even though I can't call a sister or I can't call a brother, I can still live for God. Amen? So what happens is, is I'm living for God by myself, right? It's just me. No conduits, right? Um, so this means that I have to have my own walk with God. I have to have my own prayer life. And for a lot of people, this is difficult. In the Old Testament, Moses came down from um, the mountain, and the people saw the thunder, because Moses was up on the mountain talking to God, and he came down, and the people saw the thunder and the lightning, and he was like, you guys want to go pray to God? And he said, no, you go pray to God. You go pray to God for us. And that's the thing we're facing is I want somebody else to pray for me. I don't want to do the praying myself. I don't want to connect with God for myself. A funny story is my wife, she was, on, she, was going, she was on her way to the gym, and she felt really tired. So she leans over to my daughter, and she's like, um, Lucy, can you um, go to the gym for me and um, burn these calories for me and uh, just do all of this stuff for me? And I'm like, man, that <laughs> sounds like some saints. And I'm not trying to be harsh. I just feel like God is calling us to wake up and walk with him. Because the only way we're going to make it through this spiritually tough time is if I know Jesus for myself. Amen. Let's go to some scripture. Jeremiah, this encouraged me. Jeremiah 31 and 33. So how many people know that we're, know that we're right now we're in the new covenant? Not the old covenant. We're in the new covenant. When Jesus died, the blood was shed. He put us in a new covenant. So this is prophesied in um, Jeremiah 31 and 33. It says, this shall be the covenant that I will cut. And again, this is literal translation. This will be the covenant that I will cut with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their, in their inward parts and I will write them on their hearts. So a part of the new covenant is one for you to walk with the Lord by yourself and for him to put something inside of your, inside of your body, for him to write his laws on your hearts. Because what happens is, is that I could give you a word of encouragement and I can, and I could pour into you a little bit, but if God does it, it's so much more powerful. If you have a conviction written on your heart that came from God, if you have something placed inside of you that is God-given, no man can take that away. No devil in hell could take that away. So this is what God is looking for us to do today. God is looking for us to open our hearts, open our minds, and for him to deposit some stuff inside of us so that we can walk. The convictions that we have, they come from God. They come from the word of God, but they come from God. 
Amen. And then he goes on to say, I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now, another question is, is, is he your God? Is he truly your God? Because normally what happens is when we bring up the Lord, people point to a conduit. I'll give you an example. You walk up, we've done, we've done outreach, and we walk up to people and like, hey, you, you love Jesus or are you living for Jesus? Well, my grandma used to go to church. Well, 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 are you walking with the Lord? How's everything? What's the Lord speaking to you? Well, well, yeah, yeah, my pastor called me the other day. See, what we're doing is because we're not hearing from God, we're pointing to things that are connected to God, and he's not really our God. That would be like you coming up to me and you saying, hey, how's Sister Bianca? And I'm like, I paid my rent. I paid my mortgage. We need to be connected to him. He needs to be our God. In the Bible, in the Bible, God says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, if you read throughout Genesis, God appeared to each and every one of them because he didn't want to be a granddaddy. He wanted to be the God of Abraham. He wanted to be in fellowship with Abraham. He wanted to place something inside of Abraham. He gave him a new name. And the same with Isaac and the same with Jacob. Jacob is sleeping on a rock and God appears to him. And he says, surely the Lord was here and I knew it not. Amen. So this is the will of God for us today. For us to let go of the conduits and allow him to be there and allow him to be our God. Now, as we read verse 34, it says, and they shall no longer teach and they shall no longer teach his neighbor and each man, his brother saying, know the Lord for they all shall know me. So he said, listen, I'm going to do this stuff in you. I'm going to impart some stuff. I'm going to write my law in your heart. I'm, you're, you're, I'm going to become your God. And then you won't need nobody to teach you because they're all going to know me. Amen. So let's go to some more scripture. Um, sorry, I'm tired, y'all. I'm trying to get this across. <laughs> When I was in the truck talking to the Lord today, I'm like, Lord, man, this is, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is heavy. But these conduits that we have, the persons, the places, the things that we're linked to, it, just, it, it, can, it can be good and it can be bad. Because what happens when a conduit fails you? Let's go to some more scripture. Let's go to Mark 9 and verse 17. Amen. Praise God for babies. Amen. Verse 9 to 17. It says, Then one answered out of the crowd, saying, Teacher, I brought my son to you, having a dumb spirit. And it seizes him and gnashes him, and he foams and gnashes his teeth and wastes away. And I told your disciples that they might expel it, but they were not able. So, I want to paint you a picture. This man has a son that's demon possessed and he's falling and he's gnashing at the teeth. So what he does is he brings his son to the disciples. He brings his son to the people of God and he says, listen, I need you guys to pray for my son. But they weren't able to do it. So the great thing, actually, verse 19, let's read verse 19. It says in, in answering, he said, oh, unbelieving generation. 
Now, I read this and I laugh because this is the rebuke of God. If Jesus stepped in this pulpit right now and rebuked us, I don't know. I feel like that might be hard for some people. But the beauty of the rebuke of Jesus is that it, know, it lets you know a place where you messed up at. So as a conduit, I'm supposed to take that rebuke and then just do better with the Lord. But the thing I love about the Father is, is that because the conduits failed, he didn't just stop with the disciples. He didn't stop with the conduits. He actually brought his son to Jesus. And he's like, Jesus, I need you to do a work. I need you to heal him. So what happens is, is they go back and forth. And he says, Jesus, if you can do anything, have pity on, have pity on us. And Jesus threw it back at him and said, this isn't, this isn't me. You need to have faith. So I could just imagine this situation where they're having this giant prayer meeting, but no, nobody has faith. The 12 disciples are there, and they don't have faith. The Father is there, and he doesn't have faith. So nothing avails. So what happens is, is when, when, um, what happens is, is when the conduits fail, what we do is we get into this blame game. Man, Pastor Dees, this church would be so much better if you just did this. You could look at me and analyze the youth group. Man, the youth group would be so much better if you guys just did this, that, and the third. Man, I could really grow in the Lord if I had a sister or a brother that would pour into me. And all of, these, all of this stuff we're doing is just finger pointing. And in all actuality, what we're not doing is we're not taking accountability for ourselves. Amen? Because to be honest with you, you get the same 24 hours that I get. So, and, and, and I'm nothing special. And I don't say that like with false humility, like, oh, no. No, I mean it. I mean it. I'm just the person who decided to carve out a little bit of his day to spend time with God. And God pours into me. So in order for us to get over this blame game, in order for us... Because the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Amen? So in order for us to get over this, stop looking at other people. Stop looking at the conduit. And when the conduit fails, you know what? That's a beautiful place to be. Because now I have to go to God for myself. Amen? And I just got to do it. I got to do it. I got I to gotta stop leaning on other people for everything. But I really need to walk with the Lord for myself. So this man, the beautiful thing is, this man, he kept on going. He went to Jesus. And then his son was made whole. Amen? Because I'm telling you, everybody in here, you guys, like I said, you guys, we all got 24 hours, right? And our bodies need eight hours of sleep. So what's 24 subtract eight? 16, amen. <laughs> Good thinking, amen. And then so we got 16 hours, right? And how many, like we work eight hours a day, right? So that's another eight, right? So our days are wasted away. And by the time we get out of work, man, I'm tired. <laughs> I would have taken a nap, <laughs> amen. So let's go to some more scripture. Sec let's go back to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 4 and 9. And this is another place. So again, this is Paul writing to Titus. 
And he says, and he's right, I'm sorry, Timothy. And he's writing to Timothy. And he says, come to me shortly, for Demas has forsaken me, loving this present age. Now, I think it's, it's in another epistle. He says that Demas is one of his fellow workers. So Demas is a type of conduit to him. So what happens is, is Demas is walking with him. He's walking with Paul. Like, could you imagine those prayer meetings? Could you imagine the Apostle Paul preaching? And for some reason, it just wasn't enough. He needed more. He fell in love with this present age. So he went to Thessalonica. And the thing about this that we don't really talk about is as a church, right, we're a body, right? We're all connected. We're all sisters and brothers in the Lord. So and we're, as, as being the body of Christ, what happens is, is some people are the hand, some people are the eye, some people are the foot. So let's just say Demas was the hand. Now imagine if that your hand got cut off. Something is missing. Something is not right. So Paul is in this place where he's kind of all alone. So he says, Cretans is in Galatia. Titus is in Dalmatia. Luke is with me. And I need you to bring Mark to me. And Tychicus with me. And I sent Tychicus to you in Ephesus. And then in verse 14, he goes on to say how Alexander the coppersmith did much evil things. Now, scholars say that Alexander the coppersmith was actually a believer. But what he did is at some point he turned his back on Paul. And he delivered Paul to Roman soldiers and stuff like that. Now, the thing about Paul is Paul always preaches a message of turn the other cheek. Or he always preaches a message of forgiveness. But in verse 14, he says, the Lord will repay him back according to his works. So for some reason, this conduit really, really, really hurt Paul. And then in verse 14, I'm sorry, verse verse 15 He says, you be on guard also, for he has greatly withstood our words. Now, in verse 16, it says, in my first offense, nobody stood with me. And this is the first time he went to the Roman government. So at this time, Paul didn't have anybody. Paul didn't have any encouragement. And the scripture literally says, all deserted me. So he's standing before these guards and these prisoners all by himself. But the thing about this is he didn't become bitter because it says, may not, it says, may it not be reckoned unto them. And it's a pretty dangerous thing when our conduits let us down and our conduits forsake us. That is a place where we can become so bitter and so angry and it'll eat us up inside. And it says, you know what? I don't want nothing to do with the church. I don't want nothing to do with Christianity. You know what amazes me about the church is that the church is the only thing where people, if, if somebody does you wrong in here, you just quit altogether. I've had terrible Chinese food in my life. Like, like it tastes like there was like battery acid in it, right? That don't stop me from eating Chinese food. <laughs> I've had some good Jamaican food and I've had some bad Jamaican food, <laughs> you know? But the church is the only thing where people just give up. And I wholeheartedly believe that if you're walking with God for yourself and you're not being propped up by people, if somebody offends you, if somebody lets you down, if somebody doesn't do you right, you can just kind of take it on the chin and continue to walk with the Lord. Amen. 
So luckily for us, Paul didn't become bitter. But in verse 17, it brings great encouragement because he says, but the Lord stood with me. So as he's standing there, it looks like he's all by himself. But there's a God that is standing behind him, that is giving him power, that is giving him strength. So many times we're going to be places in our life where it's just going to be us. I can't make a phone call. I can't get a text message. Remember when COVID happened? Remember how we, like, we couldn't even leave our houses because, like, we would have got arrested or whatever. But that was a time of isolation. And what happened was, is during that time of isolation, unfortunately, because the people that relied on the conduits, there was a great falling away. But at the same time, God was moving in houses and speaking to people and renewing people. And I'm so thankful for that. So here Paul is standing by himself. He says, listen, man, I felt alone. There was nobody with me, but God stood with me. And he gave me power that through me. So he gave him power so that the will of God could be done. I'm telling you. And not only did he help him in the spiritual, but he helped him in the natural. Because he goes on to say, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. That is powerful. We went to the zoo the other day, or we went to the zoo years ago, and like I'm standing there, and there's a lion, and there's, there's a piece of glass, and there's a lion right there, and I was absolutely terrified. I'm like, this is terrible. So what God does is God stands behind his people. Even though we, even though we may feel like we're standing alone, we're not alone. And that is something that we have to, we have to, to, to just to fall in love with. The Bible says that those who are single serve the Lord without distraction. In this day and age, singlehood is looked at as a crime. You know? So I wish, I just wish that God would open the eyes of the single people and show them how beautiful it is. How nice it is to pray undistracted. <laughs> I love my family, though. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> oh, man, my wife's going to see this. She's going to be mad. <laughs> Amen. I love my wife. Amen. All right. So I know this is slow, guys. This is just something simple. Because we got to stand. Because what God is doing, I don't know about you guys, but it has been just spiritually just a fight. If I go to my house and I start to pray, it's literally, it's like, I can just be sitting there watching YouTube or whatever. But, it, but as soon as I go to pray, it's like all of hell shows up in my prayer closet and begins to speak to me. And because I don't have a brother or a sister, I know my wife can, but I believe there's something powerful about personal prayer time, about being alone with the Lord. So hell shows up. And it's tough. And I was actually talking to this young lady yesterday. She, um, she left Syracuse, and then she came back. And, what happened, and, and, and she kind of like, showed me that. She was like, I left, and I came back, and it's so spiritually tough right now. And I was like, man, you could, you could be in a prison and get used to being in a prison for so long that you, it just becomes normal. You just... 
okay, yep, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to go through the motions. So, excuse me. So when this is all said and done, we don't need the conduits. We, we do need the conduits, but we need to go to Jesus first. And Jesus has to be more than enough. Jesus has to be more than enough. So in the Old Testament, when um, the children of Israel got into the promised land, they're giving out land. So the Danites, the tribe of Benjamin, everybody's getting land. But the Levites never got any land. And the scripture says that the Lord is their portion. So I thought, I thought about this, and I'm just thinking, like, man, could you imagine seeing everybody getting farmland? And then I think it was Joshua saying to them, listen, you got God. That should be good enough. I can imagine how that could probably build something in their hearts or something in their minds. But we're living in a day and age where God has to be more than enough. You have to be content in your singlehood. You have to be content right where you are. The scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And some of the times we, we don't really understand that scripture because prior to that, what he says is I learned how to abase and I learned how to abound. I learned how to be full and I learned how to be empty. So he's saying I can be content right where I'm at because I can do all things that, through Christ that strengthen me. Amen. Contentment. Contentment. That's, that's tough for us, right? Because what we do is we go on, on, on Instagram or on YouTube and we see people that have more stuff than us. So we think, man, I need that and then I'll be happy. And if I could just get this, then I'll be happy. And if I could just achieve that, then I could be happy. And if I can just have her, then I'll really be happy. And if I could just get a boyfriend, then my life will be complete or a husband. But at the end of the day, Jesus has to be enough. Jesus has to be enough. Amen. 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 Can we stand? Can we all bow our heads? So I don't know who this is for. But you got to let go of those people that were supposed to be there that weren't there. You got to forgive those people that weren't able to be there. You got to stop blaming people. You got to take accountability for your walk with God. In the book of Ephesus, um, I'm sorry. In the book of um, Revelations, <sighs> amen, Jesus wrote an epistle to the, the church at Ephesus, and he commended them on a few things. You, got, you guys got these things right, but you need to come back to your first love. I believe that in this place, we need to come back to our first love. That's the only way you're going to survive the thickness, the storm the trauma, the trial that you're going through. It's the only way that you're going to overcome is if you're connected to Jesus. Got to be connected to Jesus. The question the Lord wanted me to ask is that 
because we have these conduits in our life, what happens is, is because, or it, what eventually what happens is, is uh, and I'm, I'm not saying this lightly, I'm, I'm really like, I'm really sad about this, but people die. People die. And those are the people that have connected us to the Lord. So what happens is, is when a grandmother dies, or when a mother's not around, or when somebody that's connected me to the Lord isn't there, I just kind of backslide and stop walking with the Lord. So let's, let's all find a place to, pl- to pray. And I feel as though we all need to make a commitment to God for ourselves. That's if you want to. We're not, we're not forcing anybody to do anything. But I believe that God brought us in this place just so that we could be close to him. So that he can impart some stuff into us. That he could write on the tablets of our heart. Amen. So let's, let's do that. Let's all pray. Find a place to pray. Make a commitment to God. Hallelujah. Give yourself wholly to God. Hallelujah. These altars are open. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we give ourselves to you, Lord Jesus. God, right now, we let go of the blame that we put on the people that you placed in our life, God. Hallelujah, Lord. And God, we commit ourselves to you wholly, Lord Jesus. God, I'm asking right now that you would pour into hearts. Lord, I'm praying that you would pour into minds, Lord Jesus, as we make ourselves available to you, Lord. Hallelujah, Father. God, give us strength to surrender. Give us strength to surrender, Lord. And have your way with us in Jesus' name.